You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Monster House presents... Monster Talk is proud to be a part of the Airwave Media family, home of such shows as... Fork in the Road... Small Things Often, and Therapist Uncensored. If you'd like to advertise on the show, contact sales at advertisecast.com. You can enjoy extended commercial-free versions of this show by joining us at patreon.com forward slash monster talk, all one word, M-O-N-S-T-E-R-T-A-L-K. For as little as $2 a month, you can enjoy longer interviews, unbleeped language, and bonus episodes exclusive for patrons. And if $2 a month is not workable for you, but you still want to help out, be sure and leave us a positive review on your podcasting platform of choice. iTunes reviews in particular can help bring in new listeners, and your positive reviews really make a difference. If you want to learn other ways to help out, visit monstertalk.org forward slash support where you can find even more ways to help keep this show going. Thank you to all of you who are supporting us with your hard-earned money and valuable time. We are humbled and grateful and hope that we always live up to or even exceed your expectations. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant, hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. Some places are sticky with legends, completely undeserved. Countless alleged haunted houses are stuck with stories based on events that never happened, spirits of people that never died there, and sometimes never even lived at all. But some legends come from a nugget of truth, or perhaps thousands of them. In Denver, Colorado, there's a park that once served as a burial ground to thousands. Only the rumor is that when they decided to turn it into a park, they didn't get all the bodies out. 
Today, Matt Baxter will talk with us about this park, its strange history, and the scary movies that were inspired by it. Monster Talk. Hello. I can hear a third voice. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the voice of Matt Baxter. He's joining us again. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's always nice to be here. Well, yeah, I I guess we need to talk about uh, the the topic that we're going to cover and why. Uh, so we have talked about Cheeseman Park before uh, within the context of Debased on a True Story, talking about the movie The Changeling. That's right. But we've had a number of requests for us to cover Cheeseman Park for the regular podcast as well. Now, Matt, I think, is a self-confessed expert in Cheeseman Park, if it's possible to be an expert on the topic. He's the cheesiest. Or is it cheesiest? Is is it... Is it, is it, is it is it cheese? Is it cheese? Is Chessmanist? In the Changeling, it was Chessman Park. Ah, they thought that would they thought that would fool everyone. Um, <laughs> but in real life, it is Cheeseman Park, hmm. and uh, I'll, I'll go into why. I don't know if I'm as much a self-professed expert as I am a tortured soul who knows too much about it. We'll go with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> I, I think so. So Cheeseman Park, I mean, this is a really incredible story with lots of folklore, lots of legends and myths surrounding this place and a history that's underpinning everything as well. Uh, so I guess, Matt, if you want to go into a little bit about why you know so much about Cheeseman Park. Um, was a paranormal investigator here in the, uh, the, the Denver Rocky Mountain region for probably about 30 years. And uh, you you can't be a paranormal investigator in this area without knowing about Cheeseman Park. Any most haunted list will have Cheeseman Park on it, especially if it's about this area. Um, So you hear about it all the time. Um, The strange thing is you don't get a whole lot of actual haunting stories. There's, There's one major one. And it's really not about Cheeseman Park, and that is The Changeling. Um, that one was more about the house than it was the uh, the park. Um, every once in a while on Halloween, people will see, uh, as they're driving around the neighborhood surrounding Cheeseman Park, they will see people in period dress. Um, the problem with that is it happens during Halloween. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I do find Always that to in be period dress. Yes, yes, and and no, you know what? What is period dress? That just mean Victorian, because that's what I've heard that there, you know, people wearing like you know uh, the the three pointed hats and things like that, and um, that's not the right era for ghosts mm-hmm. and cheesemen, you know. So it's uh, you really don't hear much about actual ghost stories, but you do hear horror stories about Cheeseman Park. And uh, I, I wouldn't say distinction. That's an interesting yeah. distinction. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, two different things. There's uh, I can tell you the the folklore of, of Cheeseman Park, the, the facts uh, behind Cheeseman Park. And uh, then also the the present of Cheeseman Park is also pretty horrible. Um, and by that, I mean, if you're going to be out there in the middle of the night ghost hunting, there's a really good chance that you could get you know, mugged, sold drugs, stabbed, you know, who knows? 
because it's it all at once. What a it's night! A whole, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It's a very high crime area. Sorry, that aside, uh, the, the, let's go back to the history. Yeah, of, of Cheeseman Park. Um, now, here's the big, you know, statement about Cheeseman Park. It was a cemetery before it was a park. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't find that to be all that scary because the planet Earth is a cemetery, really. Mm. So that doesn't really, you know, make me feel anything. Uh, and a lot of cemeteries have moved, uh, you know, over the years. So, oh, yeah. And I think much... people often aren't aware of that happening. Uh, when I lived in a rural town in Australia called Armadale, um, there was a part uh, a part of the area there that was a, a playground for kids and it had previously been a cemetery, but no one really knew about it. And then at the point where people started finding out about it, all of a sudden it was haunted. So I think right. that there's a lot of kind of a lot of it's psychosomatic. Yeah, it was I, haunted. Yeah, they heard they heard scary the sounds of kids playing and stuff. It's weird. Mm. What? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Is there anything worse than children's laughter? No, um, <laughs> it can be creepy. It's like your kid wants a glass of water and come stand next to your bed in the dark, not say anything. Freaky mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. bastard. Yeah, <laughs> familiar with yeah. that. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Well, so so now, right at present, just contextually, at, at present mm-hmm. by day. It's a park. And do you mean like there's playgrounds or is it just a grassy area for kids or for people to walk around and picnic or do they have concerts there? Like what kind of park is it now? Well, now there's a, it's, it's a large grassy area. Uh, it has some fountains that are pretty. Don't swim in them. I've gotten in trouble. Um, mm. <laughs> there's uh, a big monument in the middle that uh, a lot of people go there to get like wedding photos taken and things like that because it's a very cool uh, is that the Greek 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 looked like, yeah, like a little mini Parthenon type thing, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's very cool uh, in that sense. But uh, yeah, there's a, I think there's a playground sort of uh, nearby. I haven't been down there in a little while. So but uh, yeah, they have lots of, you know, events there. Um, no concerts that I've seen. Maybe maybe it could easily. They used to have theater productions when they first turned it into a park. They would have theater productions um, up on the the monument stage, oh. uh, you know. That's even you know, yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, you know, sound travels nicely, uh, you know, up there. That was before they had big PA systems. So, and and what we're talking about is basically the turn of the nineteenth to the twentieth century um, is when this started becoming. Um, an actual park. It was, uh, I think around, it was somewhere between 1906 and 1912. I can't remember the exact date. Sorry to interrupt, but we've talked sure. a lot about, particularly in the Victorian era, cemeteries that were used as parks and people would go to the local cemetery to yeah. have lunch and picnic and just go for a walk. That was just normal. Today, I think that kind of thing is seen as a little bit morbid, but uh, then that was just how things were done. That's exactly um, how it was done. And the thing is, is Denver didn't have the, you know, a lot of times the cemetery would be kind of the crowning jewel of a city. And cities would even kind of compete with each other over who had the nicest cemetery. And uh, they were often named, you know, park names. But uh, um, 
Denver didn't have a good looking cemetery. So they decided that they were going to uh, use this land that was actually already a cemetery. Um, it was a Native American burial ground. Uh, it was Arapaho. And which, you know, uh, most of Colorado is Native American burial ground. But uh, the bottom line is this was an area that was given to the Native Americans specifically for this. Um, it was, let's, let's just say it was kind of like cordoned off, you know, because it should have been theirs in the first place. But it was kind of cordoned off as this is yours. And as the American government does so well, they uh, went, hey, we're going to, yeah, we're now going to give this to the city of Denver because they need a pretty place. So, um, and, and it was a really nice area. It's like on top of this hill, but it was probably about two miles away from Denver proper at that time. Mm. And that's a long ways away uh, because, you know, trying to get water out there and maintenance and all these kind of things. Uh, it, it was a trek. And mm. after a while, you know, it was beautiful at first. It was a great looking cemetery and um, it, it just kind of fell into disrepair because uh, no one was taking good care of it. And like I said, there was no water out there to keep things green and nice looking. And, and uh, uh, you know, some of us uh, have noticed that Denver can be a little dry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, so. <laughs> absolutely. It's uh, yeah. If you're going to travel out here, bring moisturizer. So but, I don't. I mean, uh, I'm I'm not asking you to be like the official historian for the city of Denver, but I, this was like Denver was originally a mining town. Is that right? Um, among other things, it was the main industry here when it first started was mining, um, and uh, and a lot of people settling, just coming west from the east. Uh, so you get a lot of people settling out here. So it you know was farming and it was mining and it was. Uh, of course, <laughs> restaurants, brothels, all those they were, things. They were going to California, but they just settled. <laughs> they settled, yes. Uh, well, I, I think a lot of people thought it was. Yeah, well, I mean, we have a town right next to Denver called Golden. And yeah. it's that way because they didn't have to go all the way to California to find the gold. Um, there was quite a bit here. Well, and also, so, if you're traveling west and you come to Denver, you think you're pretty high up, and then you look, and you're like, "Oh crap! I've got to cross those things, those big mountains mm -hmm. over there." <laughs> yeah, let's just. Yep. What if we just stopped here, here where yeah. it's flat? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Called the Continental Divide for a reason. Yeah, um, yeah. definitely. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, it's it kind of just started getting built up very very small, and then it started to grow, and uh, politics was really huge in Denver. Uh, that was one of the big problems is you had one side that wanted to get rid of the cemetery and make a nice park because, you know, they're still in competition with the other cities and they uh, they really want to push this as kind of an agenda to beautify things. And then you've got the right. other side saying, no, this is a terrible idea because it's going to expose, you know, as you're moving bodies, it's going to expose the uh, the residents to cholera and tuberculosis and everything else because that was all the rage back then tuberculosis was really big with the kids and um still is in some it, parts it, of the world it, yeah absolutely so it's it kind of uh was a concern but cheeseman park has so many strange things about it it really does um when you start talking about uh 
you know, the bodies being moved and everything, you get into all these other sort of bits of folklore that aren't necessarily true. And that's, there was this very evil man that was hired, very conniving and everything to move the bodies. And what he would do is like run through the cemetery and grab a bone from this spot and a bone from that spot, toss it in a casket, call it good, because he was getting paid by the casket. Uh, so, mm -hmm. so this whole idea that he was just like not really getting rid of the bodies. He was just kind of just throwing a few bones in a casket and calling it good because then he could mm. fill up more caskets um, and to get paid more. But that's not true. That's not what happened. What actually happened was the whole thing was just a disastrous mess. And then, and I'll, I'll get into that, but the thing is, is then the politics, all the mud slinging and everything that went on top of that, when they could have been using those skills to dig up graves instead of just throwing mud at each other, um, it was really ugly in a, in a lot of ways. So Undertaker McGovern was hired to move the bodies to a nicer, closer cemetery called Riverside Cemetery. Um, and he uh, started the work and realized very quickly that they didn't have enough caskets. There was a lot more bodies there than he had counted on. A lot were unmarked. There were some areas that were mass graves uh, from, you know, a pest house where they would have people that had tuberculosis or, or whatever. And when they would die, they had a big pit and they would kind of toss them in and cover it up. And, and uh, so there, there was a whole lot of bodies that were just unspoken for. And so he's trying to get these bodies moved. He, he lets the city of Denver know, hey, we don't have enough caskets. Um, well, you've got all these uh, children's caskets. You can use those too. Uh, we got a surplus of those. And he's like, they're not going to fit. And he's like, well, just break the bodies in half. So and he's like, we're still paying you by the casket, so you're fine. So he's like, okay. And this, you know, Undertaker McGovern was a good guy. He wasn't, you know, this this horrible ghoul that uh, he's made out to be. He's just doing his job. And it was a crappy job. It was not any fun at all. So Very difficult circumstances. Right, right. Well, the thing is, is they're having to pile up bodies in like this makeshift shed that's down there um, while they're trying to get, you know, them moved. And mm. while that's happening, you're having people robbing the graves, trying to get, you know, whether it be clothes, boots, um, jewelry, valuables, mm. uh, whether wow. it be, um, yeah, it, it could be anything. People were robbing graves. People were breaking into this little shed and stealing bodies. Um, and mm. uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But uh, it was just a gruesome time. And the newspapers got a hold of it. Mm. And the newspapers printed, uh, I believe it was the Rocky Mountain News, printed the work of ghouls. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they said, that's it. We're done. Uh, seal it up. We're, we're not moving any more bodies. Clear off the headstones and we're calling it good. Wow. And so they never had any records of who was buried where. Right. So there's there's somewhere between two and five thousand bodies still there. Um, wow. And it's it's uh, pretty crazy. But, you know, wow. Like but... any good story, it gets worse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, first off, they're trying to move these bodies to uh, Riverside Cemetery. 
Now, there's a few big names that are in this cemetery, but Riverside Cemetery is where the, the state's founders are buried. So they didn't want to give prime real estate to a lot of these people that are, you know, uh, more of the Boot Hill type burials. And, uh, and by Boot Hill, I mean more in the poverty range. Um, so they, over at Riverside, they say, here, you can have this patch of land right here to, you know, we'll give it to you for free. You can bury the bodies here. Mm-hmm. So they do that. And um, there is a reason that it's called Riverside. And that land that was given to them Uh-oh. was right on the Riverside. So uh, we had a little extra rain that year. And a lot of the bodies took a trip uh, downriver, uh, mm-hmm. which flowed uh, right by a lot of people's houses. And as uh, so they're watching these dead bodies, these skeletons and stuff floating down the stream. Because one of the things about um, the bodies at Cheeseman Park, uh, the old city cemetery, is that they would come up by themselves. They would, you know, it's kind of like one of those old horror movies in the like 80s where you would have this woman running across the field in a rainstorm, screaming in her underwear for some reason, we're not sure why, and a hand comes up out of the ground and grabs her ankle. Um, but, I hate it when that been, happens. We, yeah, we've all been there. Park. We've all been there. So. Yeah, yeah, that can actually <laughs> come close to happening at Cheeseman Park. Uh, and the reason I say that is because the ground there is bentonite. And bentonite acts oddly when it uh it's a kind of when clay it, when it rains oh i thought yeah. you meant like it's straight in the day but bent at night so but that's oh. not what you meant so <laughs> there's some that's, truth to that too yeah, there's <laughs> some truth to that with Park, yes um it's very bent at night but uh um the the thing is is that the way things move around with uh um with bent night it's the bodies were actually able to kind of flow around underground um, wow. And the other reason for that is because they were only buried three feet deep. Mm. And the Very reason shallow. for that, <laughs> the reason they were buried three feet deep is because of the fact that one of the stipulations that, that they had when they started using it as a cemetery uh, was realizing and honoring the Native American burials there. So the Native American burials were on an average of six feet deep. And they were not allowed to disturb those graves. So they could only bury three feet deep. So there's a lot of problems here, you know, from health, sanitary mm. standards. and But also oh, yeah. the ground mm. is is a different pH the higher up you go. Strong enough for man, but made for a corpse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I mean, there's a lot of problems there because what happens is the ground gets wet, the ground gets dry, the ground gets wet, the ground gets dry. Yeah. When you're six feet down, it stays fairly damp all the time. But when you're three feet down, it's going through this process a lot and the ground gets very acetic. And, you know, that tends to eat through a casket, a uh, your clothes, um, skin, other yeah. tissues to in a relatively short amount of time, you're left with a skeleton. And uh, normally that kind of decomposition takes a lot longer. Oh, wow. Uh, when you're buried deeper. So so that would happen fairly quickly. Um, and as a matter of fact, one of the founders, uh, Horace Tabor, was being exhumed and was going to be moved to Riverside. And they had a big event. 
there, you know, the whole town turned out. There was a marching band, everything else. Uh, Horace Tabor's family is there. They bring mm. his casket up and it falls apart, uh, mm. leaving Horace there for everyone to see. Then oh. Horace, Horace falls apart. Um, and the family dog runs up and grabs one of Horace's uh, leg bones, his <laughs> tibia, and runs off. And so now you got half the family chasing the dog through the park with a part of Horace. It oh, did not wow. turn out to be, it was a very, it, you know, they wanted it to be a spectacle, and yeah. it was. <laughs> now, and they got now, it, yeah. Now, very now, scarring. Me, yes, very scarring. Now, let me say up front, I can't find anything to back that story up. Um, okay. I, I did not make it up. I did not make that story up. That's an actual story that's going around that actually happened. Uh, and uh, you can find, you know, newspaper clippings about it and things like that, but nothing from that time period yeah. that states that's what happened. So that's kind of the fun folklore aspect of this. But, uh, you know, have been asked, uh, how do you know the bodies are still there? Well, mm -hmm. good question. Yeah. One of the reasons is the there was a woman who had purchased a home. It was about uh, two blocks uh, back from Cheeseman Park. And one day uh, her dog is trying to get in through the doggy door and was having a little bit of trouble. And she opens up and the dog brings in a pelvis. <laughs> wow. <laughs> had dug it up out of the out of the garden, had dug it up. And uh, yeah. So, so this she, one is is true then. It is true. It is true. They um... step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, Consciousness... Philosophy, UFOs, ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing. And I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audio book. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show. <laughs> so join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. There, Something you there, see every day. Exactly. There are bodies all over the place. Like I said, there was between two, there's two and 5,000 bodies there. Uh, I went out with a, uh, a crew that uh, had a uh, seismograph and uh, a ground penetrating radar and were able to go through and look for these, hmm. these graves. And oh boy, did they find them. They found them stacked on top of each other and they found them wow. just everywhere there. And wow. do you think they'll the ever thing, attempt to move them somewhere else? Or do you think it's oh, just so endemic that's not going to happen? 
You know, it's it's not only endemic, it's folklore. It's it's part of uh, the attraction. I mean, is does the Stanley Hotel want to be known as not being haunted? Yeah, good no. point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so so the same thing with Cheeseman Park. It attracts a lot of people. It really does. You know, occasionally uh, the police will get a phone call, and it's funny because the the nine one one call center is right there in the Hebrew section of the cemetery. Um, so when you discover a finger bone at Cheeseman Park and you panic and call nine one one. You're actually just they're they're actually sitting on bodies over there too. Um, wow! Wow! But, so uh, how frequently are people finding bones and body parts? Is this happening all the time, or just an occasional thing that makes it to the newspapers? Well, both. It does happen. A lot of people have souvenirs uh, that they've they've found, and you know nobody knows anything about it. Uh, there was a guy who had found a skull out there. And had oh, wow. uh, he he tried to turn it into a bong, and I'm, this is not a joke. It is, it is called a up. Mile High City, right? Yeah, yeah. So he he calls up the local rock station, you know, as they were talking about Cheeseman Park, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I found this skull out there and turned it into a bong." And they're like, "Please stay on the line." Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he got in a bit of trouble for that. Um, but there are but, yeah, laws against happen. desecrating the dead. Uh, exactly. <laughs> if you, if you yeah. find human bones, it's a good idea to call the authorities. And and the funny thing is, is people do. And the, and the police are like, OK, put it down. We'll be out there soon. You know, they get that call all the time. So if you do need to get rid of a body, um, I'm not saying it's a good place to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, the, Keep that well, in mind. Yeah. Cut, cut right. down on the investigation. Oh, it's just another one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is, is in uh, 2008, 54 bodies were found as they were putting in a new parking structure next to the Botanic Gardens there. Um, wow. Yeah, it was it was what, a what lot. Do they then what happened- do with these bones when if they find a skull, if they find a pelvis, where do they go? What happens to them? Oh, wait, wait what happens to these uh, discovered body parts? Bong answers only. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, it begs that question too soon. Um, but uh, down at Union Station, they had uh, one of the uh, one of the station offices there, one of the ticket offices, um, had this problem with people constantly spitting on the floor because uh, it was that it was that day and age. People did that, so they put in a spittoon. Spittoon, and, yeah. And 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 uh, people would you know spit at the sign that says "Please don't spit on the floor." Uh, so Things never change. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the guys that worked, there got fed up with it and he took a trip down to Cheeseman Park where it was still city cemetery at that point and found himself a skull, brought it back, put it in the corner and said, this is the last guy that spit on the floor um, with a nice little sign. <laughs> and that, that actually worked. But uh, yeah, so it was well known around that time how things were just mm-hmm. kind of falling apart. And if you know, There's a lot of souvenirs around this, this town because of that. Mm. Um, But uh, yeah, yeah. But what happens normally is the uh, the uh, the coroner um, is contacted. They take the uh, the the bones and everything. 
uh, clean them up, and they reinter them in a different cemetery. Mm. Uh, so they are taken care of uh, in that situation. So okay. they, they get, yeah, they get moved elsewhere. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they had that, that finding of the 54 bodies in 2008. And there were so many that it was believed they stumbled onto one of the sort of mass graves. And right. mm-hmm. yeah, so in, in 2010, um, they in the actual Cheeseman Park, right around the pavilion, uh, mm-hmm. there were more bodies discovered. And mm-hmm. that one was interesting because uh, I think there was like three or four bodies that were found. And the way we would usually hear about it is it would show up on either a radio station or it would fi- you would find out about it um, from uh, a news story about it. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's how, you know, suddenly that, that news would get out. And when I heard about the, these latest ones that they found, it was right next to the pavilion. I mm-hmm. got a hold of the, uh, uh, the coroner and mm-hmm. said, hey, I have access to um, a forensics team uh, from uh, Metro State University that would love to come down and see what we can find out about these bodies. And they said, sure, come on down. So then I had to see if I could find a forensics team. Um, and uh, I did, well, luckily. And we went down there. Do you and, think uh, that's something they would have done before? Yeah. The, yeah they, they, Lots of opportunities well, to do that. And that's the, the thing that, you know, I didn't really think about is a, a coroner is not educated in being able to tell certain things about body parts. They're, they're very much cause of death and, and you know, right. those, those kind of things. Um, hmm. And so they stood around and watched as this, this team of students went to work on these skeletons. And, you know, it was just body, part, you know, ribs and, and you know, uh, vertebrae and everything else just everywhere. And, and these, these teams were just putting these bodies back together and it was so wow. much fun to be a part of it. I mean, I, uh, myself, uh, Stu, uh, who uh, is a, a friend of the show, uh, was there with me. And for um, one of the sessions, Karen uh, was actually there as well. And, and I was, was responding to you like, wow, like I haven't, wasn't yeah, there. Like you weren't there. No, well, I, I remember you know, feeling I think in, in some ways, I think you wish you weren't. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I, I still remember Matt peering into a room and then wishing that he hadn't. Oh, I I knew someone was going to bring that up. Um, Okay, so everybody always asks, uh, you know, being a paranormal investigator, has anything ever really scared you? Uh, Yes, Uh, this this actually did. So we're in here, we're working on these bodies, you know, and I'm I'm cleaning off all these bones and getting them all nice and and, and pretty as they can be. And uh, I notice uh, I was looking for a towel. And I noticed there was like these double doors behind me. I thought, well, maybe there's like a linen closet or something. I don't know. And I looked in there. And what I saw is imprinted on my brain forever, especially when it's dark. Um, I opened up and what I saw was blood covering this guy in this like full white outfit, this full, you know, like a pullover kind of. Um, suit and and this huge kind of helmet, you know, with a, like a, a a splash guard on the front of it, 
and he's holding this giant saw and there's a body lying on the table with its rib cage splayed open. That was an autopsy. It was an autopsy that was yeah. going and on. And I don't know if Blake wants to cut this out or, or leave it in or. <laughs> well, so far um, I, I'm, I'm leaving it in. Uh, what happens next, though? Well, well, I if went. Barry White starts playing. I am cutting this out. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, is this where lunch has been served? No, I. Um, I, I opened up the doors. I froze. And the guy looked up at me with the same expression mm-hmm. I had. Room for one more. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. But seriously, and why? As he's holding you... this huge, like, you know, circular saw in his hands. And uh, he looks up at me at the same time I look at him. And I just very quietly back up and close the door. Um and what were you I turned around to find a, a towel was, cupboard or something. Yeah, I just I <laughs> was looking for more towels. And and um, I remember Stu looking at me and uh, Stuart Hayes is his name. He's uh, uh, you'll, you'll see him in the chat room sometimes on the uh, the YouTube channel. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he looks at me and he's like, man, you are white as a ghost. And I'm like, nothing in that room is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's uh it it was it really it just shocked me. I was not prepared for it. Let's just put it that way. So there really are bodies, and and oh, yeah. and so the, it's sort of like the the park has this reputation uh, for, for, for this macabre, certainly. And then, mm-hmm. but but people are also associating it with the paranormal. But that does that seem to be a recent construct, or was there? A history of that before, I don't know, 1980? Good question. Well, and that's that's the thing, is there's a couple of movies that were inspired by the story. One of those movies is Poltergeist. Um, Oh, yes. Which makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and maybe one of the coolest scenes in the movie is, you know, like the skeletons. Right at the end, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You move the headstones yeah. <laughs> to lift the bodies. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's exactly that's exactly it. So that when people started discovering, because everybody had forgotten pretty much that it was a cemetery, it just they mm, forgot. Just a park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that's you know I remember you know like I said going there and getting in trouble for getting in the fountains and stuff and. And uh, then was like saw poltergeist. How old were you? <laughs> I was twenty four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Splashing around. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, that aside, uh, so th- that really kind of created a, uh, a a resurgence of the the interest in the history of the park. Um, mm-hmm. because, you know, we got out a little bit. Where did you get this inspiration? Well, it was two places. It was one, I believe, in Van Nuys, California, and Cheeseman Park here in uh, Denver, Colorado. So everybody started mm-hmm. digging it up again, so to speak, and uh, <laughs> trying to find out the truth. And uh, and instead, the truth got horribly mangled with, the, you know, all the terrible, terrible things that went on. But really, mm-hmm. it was... It was just circumstances. Nobody was being evil. Nobody was trying to be a ghoul. It was mm-hmm. just circumstances and politics and bad stuff like that. And so. Uh, yeah, so it's and, and then the, the other movie that has the connection is The Changeling. And The Changeling, in a sense, has nothing to do with Cheeseman Park. Like I say, in the movie, they called it Chessman Park. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. don't mention a single word about it 
having been a cemetery. Right. Yep. Yep. Well, I think it's interesting today that, that the, I think most people uh, just don't know the history of the place. They just believe that it's haunted, but they certainly don't know anything that took place there. Right. Yeah. And it's and it's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of stories um, that uh, can be told about the place, but it is uh, it's just an old cemetery and ghosts normally don't hang around cemeteries as far as we know. As far as we know, ghosts don't. <laughs> oh, hang or around. anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Except in the Frighteners, obviously, that's, you know. Right. <laughs> right. And, and in uh, uh, the Sixth, sixth Sense, um, there's definitely some hanging around in that one. Who is this Walter Scott Cheeseman? Walter yeah. Scott Cheeseman. Well, you know, I was telling you how they wanted to change it to a park because of the fact that there was no water out there. Mm -hmm. um, one of the people who really brought water to Denver is Walter Scott Cheeseman. He was known as the Water Baron. And uh, he, he basically, uh, you know, created a whole bunch of ditches um, that uh, brought water to different areas. Went water uh, witching. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, witch ditch. But, so right. did he like build like canals or is it literally just yes. a series of ditches or like, you know, it's well, you, it, it depends. You can call it, you can call it a ditch. You can call it a canal. How kind are you trying to be? Uh, I'm comparing it to ancient Roman aqueducts. How how are we faring here in America? What? <laughs> well, let's say let's say that um, maybe not that good. But mm. he did he did basically create a, a network for water to get around the town, and that uh, it really did help things a lot. Uh, a lot of it mm. is underground. As a matter of fact, one of the underground um, canals that he had uh, dug goes under. Another haunted area called uh, the Croke Patterson Mansion. And uh, it's interesting because you will see at various times of the year, water will come out of the front steps going up there. And uh, they try to patch it and do everything they can, but no. Walter water Scott, water uh, will find a way. It will, yes. it will, it will absolutely yeah. find a way. Yes, uh, it, it, it will. Uh, it will. Well, anyway, so the thing is, is Walter Scott Cheeseman was not well liked. He was he was very racist. He was very classist um, and uh, was, you know, because he was very rich and did not care for anyone that had less uh, zeros behind their their uh, self-worth or their net worth, rather. Yeah. Um, self-worth. <laughs> self, yeah, his self-worth was definitely based on his net worth. Um, and. So, yeah, when he passed away, um, his his widow and his daughter wanted there to be some sort of, uh, you know, positive, you know, uh, thing left in his name that people would remember and maybe forget about what a jerk he was. And they said uh, the city of Denver said, well, well no, we are not going to put a memorial for Walter Scott Cheeseman on this land. Um, this mm -hmm. is a park and, and you know, we don't. We don't want anything like that. And they said, well, we'll pay for everything. Um, they said, well, where exactly do you want it? <laughs> so, uh. Yeah, it was it was pretty, pretty easy to convince Denver once money became a subject. So 
they erected right. this this great Greek looking Parthenon looking thing, and and it is mm -hmm. very beautiful. Um, but there was all kinds of problems with this as well. They were hiring and firing crews, and it was shoddy materials, and uh, it, it started falling apart in no time. And uh, they they still, I mean, you go up there, and it looks like a lot of those columns are ancient uh, because of the fact that it's just not good quality. Um, but uh, they they've done a lot of repairs, and you know they try to keep the money going to to keep it still standing. But uh, yeah, it's like uh, kind of an interesting story that uh, that the whole purpose for that memorial was to make people forget how much he was hated. Wow. Well, and now he's associated with a haunted ex yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about the, you know, the Carnegie Library, like like so many uh, monuments to rich people are about sort of trying to fix their tarnished reputations after lifetimes of being crappy to each others, you know. Pharaohs, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Always well, been done. Well, that's a creepy place. So, uh, and it's it is creepy, creepy history. and not so creepy at the same time. Yeah, it's just, well, uh, it, uh, yeah, it's a very famous park here. And, uh, you know, you just see families and kids there all the time. A lot of nefarious things certainly take place at night, as Matt was uh, alluding to. Right. Um, but it, yeah, it's certainly got a, a very uh, morbid past. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 when you know it, you go there to this beautiful park, and it's um, you know, <laughs> I was I was doing a program for the the uh, Travel Channel, and kind of I thought off camera, I said you know families come here all the time, and they're having a picnic on top of a bunch of dead bodies and don't know it. And of course, that ended up in the final cut, and I didn't even know I was oh, being yeah. recorded at the time. But it does make you feel a little bit like Oprah if you're down there. You know, you see these these families out doing stuff. You're like, you're on a body, you're on a body, <laughs> and you're on a body. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, it's it's a very interesting place, indeed. Well, thank you for telling us about it, and. Uh... And yeah, we'll put yeah. a link. This actually, this episode uh, harkens back to several episodes we've done before. So check the show notes because mm -hmm. there's some related episodes where we talked about, you know, burial places as parks on mm -hmm. purpose, and then yep. this and a few others about burial practices of women in black. A lot of things are coming to mind mm -hmm. here that are related yep. to this topic. So, but, yeah, and also I, based on a true story, our episodes on uh, yeah. uh, poltergeist and uh, the changeling and the changeling. Well. I'll put links to that in the show notes as well. Thank you for joining us, Matt. That was really interesting and certainly a lot of fun to talk about this topic again. Indeed. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. You just heard a discussion with Matt Baxter about his research into Cheeseman Park in Denver. Check the show notes for more images from Matt's work there, but be advised that some of these photos do show skeletonized human remains. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the very best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. We have links there to our Patreon page as well as a donation button. Another great way to support the show is to buy books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. 
We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindles, so we can share our digital libraries with each other. And finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Monster Talk's theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. Be sure to tune in next time when we'll be taking a fresh look at The Exorcist, the true story that inspired it, and the morbid efforts of America's most famous demon-hunting couple to try and become a part of that narrative. Stay tuned. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. So if, <laughs> if, if taking a body apart is dismembering, is putting them back together remembering? I think it is. It's very touching. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yes. So let, let's, let's never forget. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.